coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. But Thomas, the newcomer to the information, asked for access to the same information and the evidence that the disciples have been presented with, and he's given it. Ain't that something? Somebody on the outside asking to come on on the inside and we let them in. Got, got a little quiet in here. Got a little quiet in here. Somebody new coming to the, to the faith and we don't put them on a lower status. We don't treat them like a second class citizen. We don't go here and, and, and ostracize them and push them out because they don't talk the way we talk. They don't look the way we look. They don't dress the way we dress. They don't work what we work at. This person asked for access to what the disciples had and they gave it to him. Turn with me, if you will, to the gospel according to John, the 20th chapter, starting with the 19th verse. Again, that's the gospel according to John, chapter 20, verse 19, and I'll be reading to the 31st verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Then the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side I will not believe and after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them Jesus came the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace to you then he said to Thomas reach your finger here and look at my hands And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
for the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about a doubtful narrative. A doubtful narrative. So there was this building being built in Spain in around 2013, 2014. And during the, the construction, the building plans got changed. So this was a skyscraper that was going to be built. And the building plans got changed, and they wanted to go from 20 floors to 47 floors. Some aspiring journalists, some uh, risk takers, some initial journalists went and saw the plans or what he thought were, he or she thought were the plans being built uh, after this transition had been made and saw something that indicated that the elevator only went to the 20th floor. And they ran this story. And the story made it all the way from Spain to the U.S., the New York Daily News had picked it up. There was a publication called The Tree Hugger that picked it up. No elevator. Some said no elevator at all. Some said the elevator only went to the 20th floor, and they were trying to make it look like a good thing, you know, where the Tree Hugger article did, because, you know, if there's no elevators, you're going to have to take the stairs. Get you, get you some exercise in. And so they were having, and, and, and the problem was, is that upon further investigation, uh, the elevator actually did go to the top floor. And so all of these places had to retract their articles. And in a world where a book that is titled Don't Sweat the Small Stuff can be a bestseller, lest we forget sometimes that details really matter and leaving out important details like not looking to see if that was the finalized plans of the building before you ran with the story uh, uh, can be can cause the whole article to be useless uh, and, 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 and so these projects that we take on whether it be building a building or in our case remodeling a building or whether it be just a project you're doing at home you got to pay attention to the details uh, some of some of the greatest athletes I've ever seen uh, never talk about winning the genetic lottery. They always talk about not being able to be outworked. Uh, one of my favorite producers by the name of Leon Lewis says all the time, I'm not the best piano player, I'm not the best writer, but I, I, I know you are not going to outwork me. And, and, and I know he's not going to be outworked because I've been at some of his rehearsals. It's harsh. It's so harsh that there have been times when I was working with him on an album and, and he had been working day after day, 12, 18-hour days, and he had fell asleep on the, on, on the steps uh, before showtime for the, for the live recording. And, and, and he would hear, and one of the band members was listening to a recording of rehearsal on his laptop next to him while he was sleeping and they started playing something and he woke up out of his sleep and said, we're going to have to clean this part up before we do this album and went right back to sleep. We got to pay attention to the details. And so what if that project that we're working on is not a remodeling, it's not a building of a skyscraper, but what if that project is our faith? Uh, we forget some important details of our faith where our spiritual elevators are supposed to go all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. 
What happens when the light goes out on the inside instead of all around us? All right. uh, what happens when we forget the details of our own faith? When, uh, when we have uh, more month than money? Uh, when we realize that we got fake friends and real enemies, sometimes we will lose our faith. And what we are left with in those times is an empty shell of doubt. The story of doubting Thomas, I put doubts in quotation marks because I have a different opinion about that narrative than other people. And my opinion is backed by scripture, but that's for the rest of the sermon. But the story of Doubting Thomas is one of the, the, the most famous gospel, famous doubting narratives of the gospel because it speaks to the human condition. In the face of confusion, conflicting evidence in a world that requires empirical evidence before making a decision, doubt seems to be the norm for most people. Sometimes doubt can be useful. Uh, but had the initial journalists doubted the original plans that they thought they saw and did a little more objective research, they might have discovered the flaws in their stories. All right. uh, but other times, doubt can lead to atrophy and emptiness, especially when it causes us to neglect the hope of faith in Christ. Uh, when the story opens in, cha in uh, chapter 20 of gospel, according to John, verse 19, we find the other disciples, minus Thomas, cowering in the house for fear of the Jews. Uh, <laughs> if, if Thomas is always getting called a doubting Thomas, and we use that as an insult to others, you know, oh, look at those doubting Thomases over there. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Step out on faith. But if Thomas is the one who gets branded a doubter, we got to realize that the other disciples doubt it just as much. Amen. Amen. Uh, they are equally guilty of doubt. Uh, if you read chapter 20, verse 18, Mary Magdalene, uh, a woman, again, who saw the resurrection before the disciples just just putting it out there. Uh, the woman saw the, ex the, the resurrection before the disciples, and we just got finished at the beginning of the service talking about uh, we believe in Jesus Christ's only son who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified dead, and buried the third day. He rose from the dead. Who, who saw all that? A woman saw all that. But uh, that's a sermon for another Sunday. I might spend all of the summer on that one. Uh, but that's a sermon for another Sunday. Uh, but here, Mary Magdalene has told them, I have seen the Lord in verse 18. We can also look at last week's sermon coming from Mark 16, uh, where he talks about the women going down to the tomb and the stone being rolled away and the young man telling them uh, Christ has risen. But if you read verses 9 through 11, after you get past 16, 8, you go through 9 to 11, it says that after those women faced their fears and decided to tell somebody else that Jesus Christ had rose from the dead, they told the disciples, and the, the, the text says, not Pastor Simpson, the text says the disciples did not believe them. And so we have Mary Magdalene telling the disciples that the tomb was empty and they don't believe them. The other disciples have been told about the resurrection and they did not believe themselves. If they would have believed, they wouldn't have been locked up in the house hiding. 
The other disciples have been told about this resurrection and they are hiding behind a locked door. And even though the door is locked, Jesus still finds a way into the house. Jesus enters their locked room. So there are some things that you think that God doesn't know about. There are some things that you may not, you may not want nobody else to know about and you think you have locked it away, but God still knows about it. And whatever kind of lock you can put up, whatever kind of door you try to put in the way, whatever kind of barricade you put up, Jesus is still able to get through it. Ah, uh, and so you you get you you get, if you can't be real with nobody else, All right. Come on, you at least need to be real with God. Amen. Amen. And, and it's not until the, the the risen Christ actually shows up that they believe and understand. So Thomas isn't any different than any of his other colleagues. It's just that he got late. To the information. He got late to the understanding. He got late to everything. But these same people who were doubting before, now that they believe, want to look bad on the person that ain't in yet. Does that sound like any group of people you know? A group of people who might have attained something, might have become a member of something, might have been on the roll of something, and they decide that all those who aren't on the roll like them, they ain't worth the time of day. I can't think of anything that acts like that myself. Uh, Maybe if I spend some time thinking about it, I'll come up with an example. But here we have people who have gotten to the other side and are now looking down on somebody who ain't where they at yet. This is a hard leap to make. This defies common sense. Uh, Common sense tells us that virgins don't give birth. Common sense tells us that when people die, they stay dead. And so you got somebody out here talking about they are born of a virgin. We saw them die on the cross up close and personal. We saw that where they laid him in the tomb, now it's empty. And you want somebody just to believe it like that. We are in an age of people where everybody reads a book and thinks they're a scientist and thinks they're a part of the the community because they've got Google and thinks all of these things when I understand that people who are really adding to the conversation have done years and years and lifetimes worth of research. But I say that to say that you'll be dealing with people who do not believe in Jesus Christ but might actually think they are contributors to the scientific community when they are not. So you're going to encounter doubt. Not only are you going to encounter doubt on the outside of the church, you are going to encounter some doubt on the inside of the church. We got to be real with ourselves and understand that we struggle with doubt. Sometimes it gets hard to believe that Jesus will make a way out of no way. Sometimes it gets hard to believe that he is a doctor in a sick room, in a lawyer, in a courtroom, and that he's a heart fixer and a mind regulator. It gets hard to believe. The problem is not about the doubt. It's okay to doubt. Matter of fact, if you don't doubt, sometimes I would think something was wrong with you. But you got to be able to step past that and work it out for yourself. But we sit around telling lies. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Hell and high water rising up in your house. We ought to be able to open our mouths and be willing to share with one another and talk to one another and help one another and bear each other's burdens. That's what this Christian community is about. Sharing with one another. 
being able to deal with the things and rustle these things out on our own, not just put on a mask and make everybody think everything's okay. The African-American community is the worst about it. We put a stigma on mental health. We don't want to tell nobody we need a counseling. We won't go to counseling. We got to be willing to deal with our own doubt and realize that if you doubt, it's okay. Amen. It's bound to happen. Amen. Doubt oozes throughout this entire situation after Jesus' crucifixion and, and discovery of an empty tomb. It's doubt that leads the, 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 uh, the, the disciples to be temporarily as useless as those plans that were being put out there as facts about a skyscraper with an elevator that didn't go to the top or an elevator that had no, or a skyscraper that had no elevator at all. Uh, but, but we need to be able to, to, to understand that these things happen. And we got to be able to deal with it. It's okay to have emotions about a situation. Ah, and so doubt oozes through these things. And, and Thomas is wondering, how can this happen well, I won't believe until I see for myself. We all got to be able to believe for ourselves. You can't get into heaven off of big mama and mama. Uh, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It doesn't say if your mama was good. It doesn't say if you 15th generation Methodist. It doesn't say if your daddy poured the concrete for the parking lot and your mama stitched the pew cushions together. It don't say none of that. We got to be able to work it out for ourselves. And so the readers of the gospel according to John are shown their seventh sign. We don't have miracles in the gospel according to John. We have signs. And the reason that we have signs is because signs point to a certain direction. And there's first the miraculous deliverance of Jesus from death through the resurrection, which Jesus himself documented to the disciples when he showed them his hands and his side. Second part of the seventh sign is that it is accompanied by a miracle that bestowed upon the disciples, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which the resurrected Jesus breathes out to them. Uh, he breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit, kind of like God did in Genesis 2-7 when he breathed the breath of life into people. And for this reason, this passage is sometimes called the Johannine Pentecost because it's the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus appears to the disciples not just to testify of the miracle of the resurrection, uh, but in order to give them their final earthly mission, which that it might be his finally, or God's Jesus' final earthly mission might be accomplished to give them the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete, the one that is able to walk with them, the one that's able to hold them there, the Holy Spirit that'll keep us from cussing somebody out time to time, the Holy Spirit that'll hold our tongues when we're ready to go off, the Holy Spirit that'll keep us uh, having a peace that passes all understanding while all everything else around us is falling apart. He's here to give us that last and final sign, that Holy Spirit that they need in order to move on. And while I'm here talking about this, I, I just want to share something. I, I You know, I, I get accused of, of not being Methodist sometimes, and I'm okay with being accused of not being Methodist sometimes, and I might get a little loud and, and boisterous when 
and I'll preach, but let's talk about this Holy Spirit thing right, right here. Let's talk about it. Uh, he said to, uh, to, he told them to receive the Holy Spirit, yes. and they received it. Now, I done grown up in some churches, and I done seen some strange things, some stuff that I done seen people try to make a mockery out of and make money out of it on TV. But here it is, it's plain, it's plain as day. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, and they received it. Didn't take all night. Wasn't a bunch of shouting and spitting. Wasn't a bunch of locking in and tarrying. I ain't got no problem with tarrying sometimes because sometimes you need to pray long and hard about something. But sometimes all you need to do is say, receive the Holy Spirit and it will be taken care of. Uh, So he gave them the Holy Spirit because they were going to need the Holy Spirit in order to go through what they went through. These disciples, after Jesus rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven and became seated at the right hand of the Father, they had some rough lives. Peter was crucified upside down for going around and preaching about this Jesus. Other disciples were, uh, had to fight. Uh, uh, other believers had to fight lions in the Colosseum. Other ones were dipped in boiling oil. This was not sweet. They didn't have a nice church to get built in and come preach on every Sunday. Life was rough. And for, for them to be able to make it through all of the things they had, they had to go through, they needed the Holy Spirit. And just like they needed the Holy Spirit to get through their trials and tribulations, We need the Holy Spirit to get through trials and our tribulations. If there is sickness in our body, we're going to need the Holy Spirit to make it through. If we got stress going on, we're going to need the Holy Spirit to make it through. If they are making us mad on the job, we are going to need the Holy Spirit to make it through. So receive the Holy Spirit. And keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep putting a glide in your stride. Keep having a pep in your step because the Holy Spirit will be there to comfort you throughout. Uh, So Jesus is still providing pastoral care. Uh, He tells them, peace be with you. Peace is more important than anything else. Peace is more important than anything else. The disciples have fear, but Jesus offers them peace. He formally proclaims to the disciples, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And there are two different types of verbs for this declaration, but they mean the same thing as sending out. Once you get this Holy Spirit, once you get this knowledge of the resurrection of the Jesus Christ, you ain't supposed to sit on it. You ain't supposed to stay up in that locked room. You're supposed to go out and share it with the rest of the people. And he commissions them to go out and gives them this gift of peace. This shalom, this age of the spirit, just in Genesis, God spoke before creating the world. Jesus is declaring a new existence for these disciples to go out with the Holy Spirit. Sight would have been enough. Sight would have been enough. They saw Jesus rose from the dead. They've got enough information to go out, but he gave them something extra. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And so we get to the first part, which is taking taking part uh, when we get to 19 uh, and and all the way down to uh, about 24. That's happening right after what we would call Easter. But then Thomas sees them eight days later. Thomas sees them eight days later, later and he is absent. And the writer of the text does not tell us why. 
he was absent. And I'm glad that he doesn't tell us why he was absent because it does not matter why Thomas was not there the first time. Uh, and when we come across those who have not been in Christ or not been in the family of faith, when they come into the faith, we should not be concerned about where they were before them. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All the old things have passed away. So it doesn't matter where Thomas was at them first eight days. It doesn't really matter because they wasn't doing nothing about it anyway. Except uh, a still being locked in the room. But Thomas, the newcomer to the information, asked for access to the same information and the evidence that the disciples have been presented with, and he's given it. Ain't that something? Somebody on the outside asking to come on on the inside, and we let them in. Got, got a little quiet in here. Got a little quiet in here. Somebody new coming to the, to the faith and we don't put them on a lower status. We don't treat them like a second class citizen. We don't go here and, and, and ostracize them and push them out because they don't talk the way we talk. They don't look the way we look. They don't dress the way we dress. They don't work what we work at. This person asked for access to what the disciples had and they gave it to him. Uh, yes, Jesus reappears to the same disciples who saw him eight days ago and for whatever reason are still locked up in this room. I'm still in the Bible. In verse 19, it says uh, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, right? They were behind a shut door. And, and, and then it, it comes again, and, and it came again in 26 and says after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with him and Jesus came, the doors being shut. So we making fun of Thomas and we calling him a doubter. But these people have seen, first they heard about the resurrection and doubted it. Then they seen Jesus for themselves and still did the same thing. So maybe we shouldn't be hard on other people who haven't gotten their act together. Because it's clear sometimes those who are on the inside don't have their act together either. Ah. And despite the fact that they tried to pass the good news on to Thomas, uh, the power of Holy Spirit has not left them. The peace of Christ is still with them. Uh, but Thomas asked for access to the same thing. And he asked to touch Jesus. And, and well, he said that he wouldn't believe until he touched Jesus. And Jesus shows up and says, put your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it to my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. It doesn't say anything about Thomas actually touching. It doesn't, he doesn't touch him, but he wanted the acceptance. Sometimes that's all people are looking for is acceptance. Can we make eye contact with them? Can we speak to them? Can we not talk to them like they're beneath us? He got the acceptance. And when he got the acceptance, he was enough for him to give the highest Praise in all of the gospel according to John. My Lord and my God. Nobody else has praised Jesus like that. It's my Lord and my God. And so that rebuke that people have labeled a rebuke when he says, uh, uh, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not believed and yet, or have not seen and yet believed. He's no longer talking to Thomas anymore. 
He's talking to us. We got to believe even though we have not seen. Uh, and, and, and it talks and it says the disciples. And, and something else that is interesting is it does not list a number. So by the time we get to this point, we can assume that there are more than 11. And there, that's why I like the gospel according to John because you can read yourself into it. He's not always talking to the disciples. He's also talking to you. And he goes on to perform other signs. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. We hop on Thomas for, making, for, for rejecting a verbal account of the, the, the resurrection, but we have a bunch of other people that have rejected the account of the resurrection. They saw and none believed, but we always want to point out Thomas. I feel like if we point out some of that, some of the way that we are acting like that is because if we point out the problems of somebody else, nobody's going to focus on our own problems. Thomas gets the bad rap because everybody looks at Thomas as a doubter, but the women who went to the tomb doubted. And the disciples, when they were told afterwards, doubted. Then Thomas came last, and we call him Doubting Thomas. Where's the doubting Mary Magdalene? Where's the doubting Peter? Where's the doubting Andrew? Where's the doubting James? Where are these other doubtings? They all doubted. But none believed, but because Thomas said that, and Thomas was given access, and Thomas was still accepted, he was able to give the highest praise in there, my Lord and my God. Why entrust those words to quote for somebody who's a doubter? Why entrust those words to who, if you start studying church history, was the only one that actually left the area that the disciples were in? He's the one that went out and started and spread at other churches all around the rest of the country, uh, all around the rest. Uh, uh, he, he left the area of Jerusalem and those in that area in order to start churches when the rest of them stayed where they were at. He just said, I needed to see for myself. And when he saw for myself, he set this whole thing off. My Lord and my God. Maybe he was calling back to John 14 and 7 where he says, if you know me, you know my father also. When he was in John 20. Or maybe he was calling all the way back to John 1 where it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And round about verse 1, I mean chapter 1 and 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. That's how we get that this Jesus and God is the same thing. Because you see, Lord during those times was a common title. Those who were in charge of something were Lord. That's why he made it specific when he said, my Lord. But when he also said, my God, he was referring to somebody that was powerful than all other things that were said of what. He was referring to somebody that could get him out of these situations. He was referring to somebody that loved him in spite of being called a doubter. And because of that, the text says that these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. That name that every knee shall bow and tongue confess 
that name that causes demons to tremble, that name that causes every enemy to be defeated, that name that is above all names. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after a rain. Jesus, 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 let heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms, they will all but fade away. But there is something about that name, Jesus. I love to call him Jesus. The more I call him Jesus, the better I feel. That name that is above every name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The doors of the church are open. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook. 